Uh, good morning. Hope we are doing well uh, today. Uh, let me give you just a few quick announcements. Uh, today will be, this is our last week of our old giving platform, so if you haven't made that move, we want to uh, encourage you to do so. And then uh, secondly, and more importantly, October 7th, uh, we are starting back into our merged adult groups and our merged student groups. And so uh, the way that works on Wednesdays from 6.30 to about 8 o'clock, we do uh, two different sessions depending on uh, your age. And so uh, we would love to give you more information about that. If you would like to sign up for that, let us know. It kind of helps us be prepared for um, uh, your arrival. And so, I mean, if some of you will get red carpets and some of you will just get a head nod. So, I mean, uh, but Kelly determines who that is. So I don't, I don't have any say in it. So um, ways you can sign up for that are two ways. Uh, on merge, at mergecc.com slash connect, there's a way to uh, sign up for merge groups. And then, uh, or you can look at it through our church center app. Uh, and go through groups, and you can find the adult group and the student group. And so uh, let us know you're coming for that so we can be ready. And so uh, that's, that's all we have, right? That's it? All right. Are you sure? All right. She looks nice, but she is not at all. And so, like, hardcore mean. So, uh, man, we are, we are so glad you're here. This morning, I, I, want, I want to let you know, I want to remind you uh, that we have an opportunity uh, as we gather to lift high the praise, the name of Jesus, and as we gather to praise Him, uh, we get the opportunity to sing into the heavens. Uh, and so, so my desire, my my encouragement to I should say, uh, is that you would not take that opportunity for granted. Uh, we have incredible freedoms here uh, in our areas, and. Um, and, and I would just hope that we would know that today is a day that we get to lift high the name of Jesus, and that would mean something. And so, as we prepare our hearts for that, let's take a moment, let's stand to our feet, let's shake some hands, say, it's good to see you. Dead man walking, hoping the grave I'm coming. 
God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that He wants. We celebrate that here right now. My God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that He wants to. Just ask the man who was thrown on the bones of Elijah. There's anything that He can't do. Just ask the changes. You are a God who receives us, flaws and all. And you look at us and you say, leave this sin and follow me. We thank you for your heart that never changes. And I pray that our hearts run to you. We love you. In your son's beautiful name we pray. We ask these things.
concern, every anxiety, every fear would leave this place. The sound of your name. Any brokenness would be mended at the sound of your name. We welcome you right now in this place. And I pray that our hearts are bound before you in reverence, in awe and wonder.
life in a way that is grateful for this grace, for this grace, for this stirring, for this mercy that's shown to us daily. Wild to go breathe. 
Father, we know that you are here. We know that you walk with us daily. And I know sometimes we stray away. We see something in this world that catches our attention. looks like in the prodigal son. We thank you so much for that. Our chains are removed because of that love that we just can't fathom at times. So God, I pray that I live this day, that we live this day that this church lives in a way that teaches that gift. Teaches of your love, of your perfection, that you are a refuge in the storm. As we open up your word, I pray that our hearts are humble. We have a desire to want to learn your word. If you have your Bibles, let's open them up. Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, Hebrews 13. Today we are actually going to uh, run out of verses uh, in the book of Hebrews. Uh, it's been a good trip. Uh, we started, I looked this up um, because um, I can do that on my computer now. Uh, it's amazing technology. Uh, but we started our journey through Hebrews October of 2019. Uh, and then... Uh, we ended up taking about a five-month hiatus uh, because of a little thing called uh, COVID-19. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, if not, look it up. Uh, and so, but for 26 weeks now, uh, we have gathered to make much of Jesus uh, and, and how he is to be savored and cherished over and over and over again. And, and there's been a lot said about him in these in these sessions uh, and how we can uh, worship him uh, we can worship him as the final word of God in these last days as chapter 1 verse 2 tells us as we can worship him as the creator of the heavens and the earth whom the angels serve and worship in as it says in, in chapter 1 verse 6 and then again in verse 10 uh, we can worship him as the pioneer of our salvation who was made perfect through suffering, as, as chapter 2, verse 10 tells us. We can worship him as, as one who became flesh, uh, that he might die in our place and free us from the fear of death, as 2.14 says. We can worship him as, as one who is superior to Moses, as a, as a son is superior to a servant, as chapter 3, verse 5 says. We can worship him as a sympathetic high priest who opens the way to the throne of grace, as chapter 4, verses 
14 through 16 tell us. We can, we can worship Him as, as one who saves for, for all time those who draw near to God through Him. As chapter 7, verse 25 says, we can worship Him as the, as the mediator of a, of a new blood-bought covenant to secure uh, that, that our sins will be forgiven and that the law will be written on our hearts and that God will be our God, as chapter 8, verses 10 through 12 says. We can worship Him. It just keeps going, right? We can worship Him as, as the one who by His blood purifies our consciousness uh, in, in our, from dead works to serving the living God, as chapter 9, verse 14 says. We can, we can worship Jesus as, as the one who puts an end to all the sacrifices by putting away sin once and for all through the sacrifice of himself, as, as 9.26 says. We can, we can worship him as the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God until all of his enemies are made a stool for his feet. As chapter 12, verses 2 and says, we can worship him as the one who suffered outside the gate that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. Chapter 13, verse 12, we can worship him as the one who will never leave us or forsake us, but will help us forever by the power of an indestructible life. As chapter 13, verses 5 and 6 say. So this is, this is the months that we've spent in Hebrews, prayerfully seeing each week more clearly who Christ is and why He's not just a big deal, why He is everything. In fact, in these months together, Christ has revealed Himself to us again and again uh, for our encouragement and, and our hope and our perseverance so that we might have strength to love and, and love to meet together and to stir each other up, to live well and to die well by faith, which is the assurance of things hoped for. And my hope has been this entire time that we would see Jesus more clearly. And, and what I'd like to do as we run out of verses this morning is, is, I'm, is at the end of these verses, I, I want us to have an opportunity to think through and, and for some to respond to just these incredible truths that have been revealed um, by God the Father, through Jesus the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and much of, of this is going to reveal itself in just two verses given to us as a benediction. Uh, as the writer is, is wrapping up, and, um, and as he gives us this closing prayer, uh, what we hope is that it would draw our attention to where it, it should be, and that we would allow God's Word to work through us. And so, so let's, let's pray and then we'll, we'll get going in verse 20. Father, we come to you. And we thank you that our praise to you does not return void. We thank you that you are just willing to meet with us here this morning. We pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that, that we would see Jesus more clearly in these words. We would know what you have made available to us through your Son. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. All right, let's just read it and then we'll come back, right? All right, so now, all right, that's where we, that's where we are in verse 20. Now, 
May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Then he says at 22, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who uh, come from Italy send, uh, send you greetings. And then he ends the book and he just says, Grace be with all of you. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to that because um, I, think, I think a better place for us to start here is to scope back just a little bit and begin to ask, okay, as the writer finishes this incredible letter, uh, what does he want to leave us with? What, what does he want to bless us with and, and pr- to pray into our lives? And, and when I say us, I, what I mean is, is, is those who, uh, imperfect as we are, and prone to wonder as we can be, and, and those who stumble daily, nevertheless, those who have seen enough of Jesus to put our trust in His promises and, and, and put our lives in His hands, to you who have done that, or you who will um, hope prayerfully do that, if, if you haven't done that already, you do that this morning, uh, the writer is going to give us six things that we can hold in our hearts. And they're so incredibly important. Let's just kind of work through them. We go back to verse 20. And the first thing he's going to tell us that we can hold in our heart is that number one, you have a God of peace. You have a God of peace. Now the question is, well, how do you know that, Brandon? Well, I cleverly read my Bible, and if you squint your eyes, it says this. Uh, now may the God of peace. Okay? It's I get if you were in a seminary, I, me either, but, you know, this is the way we do it. Now, may the God of peace. And now, now that seems like a strange thing for him to introduce, because if we've been traveling, uh, we've, we've spoken in these weeks uh, about God's law and about his judgment, and, and there's a great danger of reading those words without understanding their proper placement in our lives, that, that as God works for the glory of his name in all ways and at all times, he is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him, and we are most satisfied in him when we are at peace with him. And so, so this is best experience. When, when we see, when we are at peace, and we see the peace that he has made for us. So, so God the Father is at peace both with himself and he's at peace with you. And that's incredibly important for you to realize today. That, that God does not war with himself the ways that earthly dads do. Uh, that, that, that he is not at times tormented or divided or double-minded or, or distant as, as we dads can be from time to time. God, God operates with zero tension and stress and sadness and fear and uncertainty. He, he operates in peace because his assurances are in himself. So, so, so God is at peace with himself, but he's also at 
peace with you if you are found in Jesus. That, that, that you never again, you never again have to wonder how he feels about you and how he feels for you. And your reaction today tells me, I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that. Because that, that right there, that, lights up, that should light us up. That you never have to wonder. You never have to walk into the throne room of God's grace and say, is he going to like me today? Like, yeah, I did this. And is, is, is he going to accept me today? And the truth of the word is simply that in Christ, you never have to doubt that for the remainder of your days. You live in an unattachable love. And so, so, so in Jesus, every day is spent in secured peace in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And Hebrews has been this journey in how peace with God is attained. And now we have it. And so we said, he says, may, may the God of peace, your Father in Heaven is a God of peace. In fact, John Piper says it this way. He says, he's like a great ocean. And he's calm in himself. And he gave his son to suffer in our place so that we might have an eternal family of peace. So we have a God of peace. And then secondly, he says this. He says, you have a deathless shepherd. You have a deathless shepherd. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great, the great shepherd of the sheep. Now, now nowhere, nowhere in this book until this very moment has the writer referred to Jesus as a shepherd. Nowhere else. Like he's talked about Jesus in a lot of different lights, but now he comes in and he says, I want you to see Jesus as a shepherd. And, and now as he takes his leave, as it were, and he puts, his, he puts us in the hands of another, he says, he says, you have a shepherd to lead you and to protect you, and this is no ordinary shepherd. In fact, he says, he raised, God raised from the dead uh, this shepherd, and therefore the shepherd cannot die again, cannot therefore be defeated by any foe, that, that if you will trust him, you will be safe. You will be. For the remainder of your days, not only will you be at peace, but you will be in the safety of his provision and his protection. And I think the great danger this book is written uh, is, is to warn against that, that we would drift away from the flock of God and we would choose another shepherd besides Jesus. And, and, and the writer has just come in time and time again and said, this is, this is folly. That, that because there is no other who can lead us to green pastures and still waters, to, to God's right hand where there are, as the Bible says, pleasures for forevermore. So, so, so we must resolve that we follow one shepherd in a land where there are many competing shepherds offering uh, this lasting satisfaction that only Jesus can provide. The whole book is built on find something better than Jesus. And if you can, good luck to you. But you can't. And so, so, so we have to resolve that there's one shepherd and there's many shepherds that are competing. And, and the question is, will we trust his lead? Number three, so not only do we have a God of peace, we have a deathless shepherd. And then thirdly, we are bound to God by an eternal covenant. By an eternal covenant. Now, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal 
covenant. Now, now we talked in detail about this covenant when we were back in uh, chapters 8 and then chapters 10. Uh, so, but when Jesus died, he sealed for God's chosen a covenant that will last forever and will never be broken. Never. That, that it's, it's God's pledge to give us eternal salvation in Jesus. You can go back chapter 5, verse 9 for that. It's God's pledge to give us eternal redemption in Jesus. You can go chapter 9, verse 12 for that. It's God's plan to give us eternal inheritance in Jesus. You can go chapter 9, verse 15. And what makes it eternal and unspeakably superior to the old covenant is that God swears on the blood of his son that not only will he keep his side of the covenant, but he will keep our side as well. Which is what the writer says in the fourth place. Because number four, you have a God who equips you to do his will. You have a God who equips you to do his will. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Most of the time in our Christian walk, when we feel the tension there, it's because we've removed the last part of that verse. Because we expect God to equip us with everything good, and then we expect that God would just see it the way that we see, that all the good stuff is just the good stuff, and not all good things are healthy. In fact, not all good things that, that really are good remain good in the long run. So it's an important distinction that the writer gives us. He says that, that we may have every, be equipped you with everything good that you may do his will. And now, right there, right there, we have purpose for breathing. We do. We have a purpose for waking up in the morning. We have purpose for, for loving our kids sacrificially. We have, we have purpose for going to work and saying, hey, my work is more than just the title that I have. It's a reflection of who God is in my life. To do His will. His covenant with you is eternal, and it's sure because He does not leave you without resources to do His will. He provides you with what you need to keep your side of the covenant, namely faith that works itself out in love, that, that, that but someone might say, yeah, he gives us resources, but, but we have to put those resources to use, right? Uh, he, he gives us his word, and he gives us the church, and he gives us a community, and he gives us prayer, and he gives us suffering, but, but we must respond in faith to keep our side of the covenant and be pleasing to him. And, and so the covenant is only as sure as we are strong. And, and the problem with that argument is that it's not true. In fact, the writer says in the fifth place that you have a God who works in you what is needed to please him. Number five, you have a God who works in you what is needed to please him. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the sheep I'm sorry, brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And ever. Amen. 
So he, he wants to, to leave us with no mistakes. He wants to leave us with no uncertainty that our covenant relationship with him is eternal. It's eternal. So he reminds us that the very essence of the new covenant and what makes it new is that God keeps his side. The old covenant is, was always this, this relationship, this, this, at times this battle between the hearts of man and the heart of God. And man consistently broke covenant with God. And in his love and in his mercy, he would say, I'm entering in to this covenant with you. And if you will just do these things, you will experience my blessing. But if you decide not to do these things, then you will experience my curse, my, my turning away from you. And then, and then most of the time, most of the time, what that meant was God just saying, I'll leave you to your own devices. And I'll let you see so very easily how, how quickly you can sabotage everything in your life. And what makes this new covenant so very important is that God comes in and he says, I'm going to help you understand that I can help you keep your side as well as I will always keep mine. So, so he not only equips us with resources to do his will, he, he works in you what is pleasing in his sight. And that's where our relationship with the Holy Spirit is so incredibly important. Because there's never a moment we really, if we're honest, have to wonder what God wants us to do if we are in Christ. Now the question is, have we listened? Is our hearts attuned to what the Holy Spirit is saying? Or do we, do we pay attention to when the Holy Spirit says, hey, this is a danger zone. That next step is deadly to you. Don't, don't do it. And we're like, I don't hear anything. And we don't hear anything because we don't, honestly, what it says is we don't want to hear it. And that's a problem in itself. But it's not God who let us down. It's not God who breaks the covenant. He has promised that he will work these things in us, what is pleasing in his sight, namely uh, persevering faith. That, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's where we were in, in chapter 11, verse 6. That he causes us freely and joyfully to use the resources he gives by helping us see how much greater those resources are than anything that the world offers. Anything the world offers. And so, so you are secure and not because you are strong. Okay? You are secure not because you are strong, but because God is sovereign and because he is faithful to his covenant promises. He is faithful to it. And so, in fact, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 27, he says, I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. I will cause you to do that. All the exhortations to persevere in this book, um, God will fulfill in those who are his. That's what we get to revel in today. And then this is, this is uh, my only hope to be a faithful minister of the gospel and, and a Christian until I die, that God's word is always true. And that he will never break it. He will never break it. And then we jump, he he kind of takes us to that forever and ever and ever, amen. And you're like, oh. And then it's, it's almost as if the writer was like, oh yeah, one more thing. Right? Because amen is a pretty good way of ending a book, you know. Um, far be it for me to edit, you know, the book of Hebrews. Uh, but, but he tells us some things about Peter, I mean, I'm sorry, about Timothy. Uh, and then he tells us, you know, greet the Italians. Uh, you know, they say a hi. Uh, that's the way they would have said it. Um, yeah. 
Scalazzone, right? Yeah, yeah. Your kids in Walnut Creek, they don't know that Scalazzone is actually Calazzone, according to your principal. Um, so anyways, I uh, lost my train of thought, got it back. So, all right, so he says number six. He says number six. He says, you have a promise of all-sufficient future grace. Grace. Jason and I had a big conversation this week at lunch. Uh, he bought, so, you know, I'm willing to go, again, willing to go to any lunch with you if you're buying. Uh, but but we, had, we had this conversation, right, about, about just the ministry and the doctrine of grace and how we, we, we don't walk fully inside it. We don't understand it or we don't try to understand it as well as we could because cause the, the author uh, of Hebrews here just ends the whole book. He just says, grace be with all of you. Grace, be with all of you. In other words, as the, as the writer leads the stage, right, and as all the lights are starting to dim and there's one spotlight and he has your attention and everything just slows down and you're like, what is he going to say next? And he just says, grace. Let it, let it be with all of you. Let it be with all of you. Let, let the abundance and the power of a future grace just live over you. The, the grace of, of divine peace and the grace of, of a deathless shepherd who guards and who guides you. The grace of an eternal covenant that secures an unbreakable relationship. The grace uh, of, of God's commitment to equip us with all the resources to do His will. And, and finally, the grace of God to work in us what pleases Him. Let this grace be with you. And then as a byproduct, let it be evident in your life. Let it be evident. We don't, we don't think, again, we don't think widely enough about the movement of God's grace in our life. He, he wants, uh, we want to limit its effects to uh, the free and the unmerited favor of God as He forgives our sins. And, and if that's all grace was to us, then that, that still, it would be plenty, but there's so much more to grace. There's so much more to it. When, when we're walking in God's grace, we also get to live under His bestowal of, of His blessings. That, that, that means the chair that you're sitting in is a blessing from God. That means, uh, that means that the, the job that you have is a blessing from God. The car that you drive is a blessing from God. That you didn't earn that. You think you did, but everything that you get comes from this blessing from God, that, that kid that you just grounded is a blessing from God. That, that parent that just grounded you is a blessing from God. That when his promise is to equip you and to work in you and to keep you secure in Jesus, we live under the shadow of his love and his grace. And it's incredible how often I, I want to explore Really, it's incredible how often I, I explore the waters of my heart and realize how little thought I give towards the everyday and every moment activities of God's grace that rests over me. Staggering. And I think this is evidenced by, by the grace I, I tend to withhold from others that I come in contact with. It, that when we experience God's grace, it's always this valve that just pours out 
as a fragrant offering to the rest of the world about who Jesus is and how, how much God loves you. And all we've been seeing, all we've been seeing in this book, fine, we can start wrapping this up. Uh, uh, all, all we've been seeing in this book revolves around God's love for us, expressed uh, for us, the, the expressed grace that he shows us by sending Jesus. Uh, and then what his holiness, holiness demands from us so that we can walk in relationship with him. That's all it is. Like, let me, let me tell you how incredible God is. Let me tell you how messed up you are. But let me tell you what God has done to restore and to fix what is broken in you. And there's nothing wrong, man. I, I hope that we can be a place, I hope we can be a community where we say, hey, I, there's parts of me that are broken and it wouldn't come as a shock to any of you. But that as we say that, we don't live defeated. We live as more than conquerors because we are in Christ Jesus. And so, so here we are at the end of this incredibly rich and, and life-altering letter and, and the questions uh, I would like to wrap up with should really shouldn't come as a shock to, to you if you've had uh, the opportunity to travel with us these, these past few weeks. And really, there's, this, there's two places I, I'd like us to go in, in closing. That, that if, if you are not found in Christ, my question would be, have you seen Him in these verses? That, that do you see Him as greater than your hopes and your dreams and your fears? Do, do you see how trying to anchor your life uh, to anything other than his promises is foolish because there is no one, there is no thing that can bring you the lasting satisfaction that he can. And if not, if you haven't seen that, then let's chat about that. Let, let me tell you what he has done for me and let me tell you what he offers and then if you have, if you are found in Christ, I guess my question is the same. Have you seen him in these verses? Like, like, have you joined with the angels as they worship? Are you standing in the presence of those great saints whose, whose role in the story of God is, is important, but so is yours? They just happen to come before you. Like, this do you feel at times a temptation to, for shrinking back, to, to fall back to an old way of living or an old way of, of religion? And if so, let's, let's chat about that. Let us, let us tell you what he has done to expose those temptations, thereby revealing how empty and how weak they are. And here's, here's perhaps where I hope we could end as we consider how to respond specifically to, to these verses this morning. It's really just five verses. And really, when you look at it, it's, it's two verses and some housekeeping. But God is good. And God is merciful. And God is loving. And He sends Jesus to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And when we see the power and the majesty Christ, all other idols, whether it be idols that we see outwardly that we want to run to at their at their altars or their thrones or or, or the idols of our in that come inwardly that we fight so hard 
at times to deny, but then we also continue to feel that that tension. So regardless of where those idols are, that we would see the power and the majesty and all of their idols would be exposed and destroyed in his presence. That's where we would go. And the question that remains in our hearts are, 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 will we continue to see if we can find a greater idol or not? And I'm telling you, we can't. And so we fall in this Will we let God build our life around the name that is above all other names? And will we not buck against his leading? And will we make the pursuit of our lives about living in the wake of our King Jesus? That we get to walk behind him and we get to tell people, I'm with with him. I'm with him. Like, see him? Incredible. It's speechless. Like, it's undeniable. It's undeniable what he's done in my life. Like, like I don't know what I can do other than just follow and say, hey, just look yourself. Just look. So that's where we fall today. That's where we fall at the end of this book, and and we're going to open up next week, and we're going to walk with, with the Israelites for a couple of weeks. And you know what we're going to find? We're going to find Jesus there too. So this morning, where are we? Do we understand the incredible grace that God has given us? Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Please stand with me. As we wrap up, if you need prayer this morning, there'll be some people over here who long to pray with you. If you don't know who Jesus is, we long to walk with you and just to tell you what he has done for us. I love you guys. I do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your care for us. We thank you for your attention to us. We thank you that we can live in your grace not because of our abilities and not because of our achievements because you've chosen us and the cost is incredibly expensive so we thank you for Jesus today thank you for your pray you would stir in us, that you would continue to stir in us those things that are pleasing to your sight. We love you. In Jesus' name.